Good evening, everybody. Uh, a very warm welcome to you once again. Uh, my name's Adam. I'm one of the clergy here, and it's really lovely uh, to see you all here and to celebrate uh, with you uh, this evening. Uh, I'm not sure if you saw it, but a few uh, months ago, there was an article in one of the national newspapers that talked about what professions we trust. Um, I don't know if we've got any nurses here, uh, but nurses came out on top. 94% of people say, that they trust nurses. Clergy used to be pretty high as well. Uh, it's now 65% of people uh, that trust clergy. So that means that I'm on a losing battle with 35% of you already. Uh, and um, it, it also means that it's been dropping considerably over the last uh, few years. I'm not going to take it personally. I've only been ordained for a year or so. So I hope it's nothing to do with me uh, personally, but I'm sure. But I wonder, uh, what, if you can think of somebody that you know who you trust, someone maybe in your life, maybe they're not with us anymore, maybe they are, someone you know that you really trust, I wonder what it is about that person that makes you trust them. Maybe it's someone who always keeps their promises. Maybe it's someone you know wants you to thrive. Maybe it's someone that's always been there for you. Or maybe simply that you know they think well of you. Now I wonder what you think about God. I wonder if he is someone who you can trust. You've heard the Christmas story uh, this evening. We've sung carols about it, I am sure, not for the first time in your lives. The first reading that we had, we had prophecies of Isaiah written hundreds of years before he was born. God promised to the people that Jesus would come, and he did. God keeps his promises. And trust is integral to the whole of the story that we know so well. Mary and Joseph, two relatively young people who each have a long and difficult journey ahead of them. They need to trust God. They need to trust his promises, not just for them, but also for Jesus. The shepherds, too, had to trust. They had to trust what they had heard and what they had seen. They had it a little bit easier than we do. They had a chorus of heavenly angels uh, singing to them. We don't quite get that, although this choir are fantastic. I'm sure they would agree they're not quite a chorus of heavenly angels. In the same way, the message was delivered by a messenger angel. You don't get that this evening, you get me. And I couldn't find any wings or a halo that would fit. But whilst the cast list that delivered that message to the shepherds is different, the message they gave is the same. That on that day, over 2,000 years ago, in a manger in Bethlehem, a child was born. But Jesus wasn't just any child. He was and is God. He didn't simply come and live amongst us for 30 years or so and then cease to exist. It's not simply the case that Jesus, that God, could only be trusted in that story of 2,000 years ago that we hear once a year when we come to these services. The real good news that the message that those shepherds heard on that cold night is as, as true for us as it was for them. That Jesus is alive today. 
that he is still, as our choir have just sung, our Savior, our Messiah, and our King. That he can be trusted in our stories. Just as he got involved in the lives of those shepherds 2,000 years ago, he longs to be involved in each and every one of our stories. He longs that we might know him, that we might trust him with every area of our lives. I'd like to introduce someone to you. This is uh, my friend, Jem, uh, and he's going to share a few words with us about what Jesus has been doing in his life over the last few years. Thank you, Jem. Hello. So as you know, my name is Jem. Yes. I'm the intern here. You are. At St. Paul's. Um, I was going to spend a few minutes, if that's okay, talking about my experience of kind of trusting Jesus. Um, if I'm really honest with you, I kind of spent the first 17 years of my life totally in fear. Um, all the decisions that I made were because of fear. Um, and at its worst point, there was a tipping point when I was actually asked to do some public speaking. Often a lot of us get scared doing public speaking. And it was actually in a church. I was asked to just do a reading. Now, I had a really low reading age. I was dyslexic. I didn't read in class, didn't read ever. And so reading in front of these people was, you know, like the scariest thing in the world for me. Um, and as I was about to stand up and do it, I actually ran away and I had a panic attack. Um, I was physically sick. Now, that wasn't the first, I mean, that was, it was, sorry, it wasn't the last panic attack I had, but it was the first panic attack I had. Um, and that summer, this was when I was 17 years old, I'm 22 now, that summer, I basically spent every single day at home. I didn't really leave the house. I was kind of crippled by anxiety. And from the stress, if you like, from um, the fear, I developed this thing called acid reflux. And essentially, every time I ate food, the bile in my stomach would bring it back up, and so I'd be physically sick. So often, every single morning, I'd wake up, and I'd eat food, and then I'd be physically sick again and again and again. And my parents took me to doctors, because that's what they do, and they love me, and they didn't know what to do. And I had an endoscopy, which is kind of like a, they put a tube down your throat, um, and they look inside your stomach, which isn't very fun. And well, they put me on medication to kind of stop me being sick, but it didn't really help. Um, and as kind of as a last resort, if you like, I mean, we were Christian, but it wasn't on our radar that every single day, you know, God heals today and miracles happen. We, they took me to uh, the Well Christian Healing Center. I actually work for them now, which is fun. <laughs> it's in Leamington on a 20 Augusta place. And I got prayed for there. And I think that was the first time I ever experienced Holy Spirit. <laughs> and if I'm honest with you, it was the first time that I truly knew peace because I'd spent the rest of my life really in fear. And so that day, I guess, I chose to, to trust Jesus. And actually, I immediately came off medication, um, and God made me brave. He didn't totally remove the fear. I still get nervous sometimes now, but he made me brave to do it. And I know that my life looks 10 times better and is filled with so much more joy and peace and life, trusting Jesus, than it did when I didn't. Fantastic. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Jem, for sharing that with us. Wonderful. Jem trusted Jesus as part of his life, as part of his story. And I have my own stories of how God has been active and at work in my life. I don't want to leave you with any false impression that becoming a Christian simply means that life is always rosy and plain sailing, however. 
As an example, my dad passed away uh, when he was relatively young. He was only 56. I was 10 uh, at the time. He was a Christian. My whole family uh, were Christians. No part of me wishes that that hadn't happened. But I've been able to trust God to walk with me through the pain of that experience. I've been able to trust God to work in me through that experience. And I've been able to see Jesus redeeming that experience. Now, I don't have the time uh, this evening to explore why these things happen and why we should continue to trust uh, Jesus through them. Next year, early in February, late in February, we'll be running an alpha course. There's details of it on the back of your uh, service order. And that's a really fantastic space to explore those questions if you have them. But the truth of the Christmas story is that the God who could be trusted before Jesus was born in those passages from Isaiah and throughout the Old Testament, the God who walked among us as Jesus 2,000 years ago, and the God who is at work in my life, in Jem's life, in so many thousands of other Christians' lives around the world, lives and longs to be involved in your story. But it will take faith, and it will take trust. I want to finish by telling you a very quick story. About 13 uh, years ago, I went on holiday with some friends uh, to Turkey. And uh, all my friends decided that what they wanted to do was to jump off a mountain with a parachute on the back of themselves. Uh, one of my friends uh, said, well, Adam won't do that because he's too afraid. Now, while she may have been correct in that statement, uh, what she didn't bank on was the fact that I have a bit of a competitive streak in me. And so I said, oh, well, you know, I'll do it. That sounds like the fun thing that I should do. And so we went up this side of this mountain uh, in a very rickety trailer. And um, we were all partnered with different instructors. Now, uh, you were partnered with instructors that were different to you in height and weight to keep the weight sort of similar from the parachute. All my friends were very skinny, so we're all partnered uh, with very burly guys. I have always been built for comfort rather than speed. Um, and so I was partnered with the shortest, thinnest instructor you may have seen. He was supposed to be strapped to the back of me to keep me upright. Uh, now, they took us through what we would do, and they said, what you need to do is run towards the edge of the cliff. The parachute will come up behind you and lift you into the air, and whatever you do, don't sit down. And I thought to myself, that's a really odd thing to say. Why would I sit down when I'm running towards the edge of a cliff? Unless, I mean, you know, I've been for runs before and had to sit down, but it's only, you know, 20 meters. It's not very far at all. Anyhow, all my friends went with their instructors. Everything seemed to go fine, and it was my turn with this tiny instructor strapped to the back of me. And he said, run, and we ran. What they didn't tell me was that when you're in the air, you sit in a seat, and that seat sits in the back of your knees. And if you've ever been hit in the back of your knees, you know you go like that. Now, of course, the second I started running, I went like that and sat down. Over the top of us came the parachute and dragged us to the end of this cliff. We were millimeters away from death, and fortunately, thanks for laughing at that, we were <laughs> millimeters away from death. Fortunately, some Turkish instructors pulled us back uh, from the edge. The same Turkish instructors, by the way, who the second time I went, I went again, um, the second time I went, held me up and threw me into the air <laughs> of the edge of the cliff so I wouldn't do it again. 
We got into the air, and the tiny instructor uh, behind me said, you nearly killed us, you nearly killed us. Why did you nearly kill us? I said, well, it wasn't a choice. It was just hurt in the back of my leg. Now, why do I tell you that story? Well, because to run towards the edge of that cliff took three things. It took trust in my equipment. It took trust in the tiny instructor strapped to the back of myself. But mostly for me, it took trust in God. This evening, a similar decision is before each and every one of us, the result of which will determine what Monday morning looks like for you tomorrow. You can choose to go home from here full of mince pies, full of mulled wine, feeling a warm in your tummy, perhaps in your hearts, feeling like you've sung some songs that you really enjoyed. If you do that, I suspect tomorrow will look like every other Monday uh, that you've had. Or we could choose to have a different Monday morning. We can choose to really engage in the truth of this Christmas story. To take a step forward. To say to God, I do want to know you more. I do want you to be involved in my story. I do want to learn what it means to trust you in every area of my life. Remember what I said right at the start about the characteristics of someone we can trust. It's someone who keeps their promises. It's someone who wants you to thrive. It's someone who's always there for you. It's someone who will always think well of you. All of these are true of God. We all have steps to take, whether it's to trust God for the first time or to trust him with more of our lives. Someone like me can't do this for you. We can perhaps just be like the tiny instructor or the parachute, give you the equipment that you need. You'll have to be the one that takes the step for yourself. But if you do, particularly if it's for the first time, let me guarantee it will be the best decision you ever make. We're going to have some silence uh, together before we sing our final uh, song carol together. As we do that, we're going to light our uh, our candles. I think uh, they'll start at the beginning and go forward. I'm not quite sure how that works. Somebody will uh, come near you with a light. But just as we light the candles, just let's hold this uh, time of quiet together, if possible. We were reminded uh, in one of the passages that Jesus, that Jesus is the light of the world. These, light, these candles represent Jesus' light in our lives. It might be that you need the light of Christ to shine in your life more. It might be a particular area of your life that you need to trust him with. As these candles come along, let's just hold the silence uh, together.